millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to the final episode in our Italiani Nello Spazio season of Italians in Space. We've done nine movies so far. We started right back at the beginning when the Italian film industry was just starting to dare to dream about going into space, <laughs> even if it was only for about two minutes in that first movie. Um, and we've been through the highs and some of the lows, and uh, we've come to an end today with our final film it's one of the it was one of the last films of the cycle really of italians doing basically doing star wars type yeah. spacey films by this point so we are talking about what i'm just going to come out and say it now this is possibly my favorite film of the whole season and this is <laughs> oh my god <laughs> i know I know, right? I never thought I would th- this would be the one. Um, so we're, today we're going to talk about the film from 1981, known under a number of different titles, but known mainly as Escape from Galaxy 3. Now, before we get into that, Rod, uh, is there anything that you've been up to in the last couple of weeks that you want to plug or otherwise tell us about? Oh, well, over on uh, my podcast, The Bloody Pit, um, the uh, the episodes that are current... Uh, I did an episode with a good buddy of mine, Bob Tunnell, Robert Tunnell, who's a filmmaker and a, a, an old buddy. He and I know each other through uh, a group that we used to be a part of over in the the ancient days of the first iteration of the internet. No, uh, we, we were a part of a, a, a Yahoo group that uh, focused on oh, European I, trash cinema. I remember those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm, that, I'm still in touch today with some people that I was in a Yahoo group with 20 years ago. Uh, well, so am I. That's uh, funny. Mis- uh, so Mr. Tunnell and I occasionally talk. Uh, actually, the fact that I would refer to him as Mr. Tunnell would immediately make him laugh. <laughs> but the uh, he he uh, made a film back in the 90s called Frankenstein and Me. Uh, came out in 1996. And uh, here very soon... He will have the opportunity to get his hands back on the uh, the, the 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 rights to that movie. He and the the Canadian producers, and so they're 
uh, playing with the idea, hopefully, in my opinion, of putting that out on uh, a new edition. It's never been released on DVD or Blu-ray. Although, strangely enough, it was released on Laserdisc, which is, shows you what the 90s were like, folks. Mm. Uh, but uh, Frankenstein and Me is, is a fun little movie. It's a, it's a kid's movie designed to not make adults who see it go insane. Uh, it's it's got uh, Burt Reynolds and Louise Fletcher. It's actually oh, quite wow. a good little movie if you've never seen it. Uh, a lot of people think that it was you know think that it was a Disney movie because uh, Disney bought uh, television rights to it and would slot it into their uh, their October stuff back on the Disney Channel in uh, years oh, past. Yeah. But it's not. It was an independent production, and so Bob was at the time making uh, he during the nineties he made five or six movies. Uh, and so he uh, brought up the idea of talking about Frankenstein and me. And so he and I and a, and a mutual friend of ours, Anthony Taylor, uh, sat down and so we talked about that. So that's that's an episode. And also uh, we've got the next uh, Sherlock Holmes episode that we've done, which is part of the uh, string of shows that uh, Troy Gwynn and I have been doing focused on the universal horror films of the 1940s. Of course, you, it intersects pretty heavily with the Sherlock Holmes movies they made in the 40s, so we, we've covered the next in the Sherlock Holmes series there. So that's what's going on over at The Bloody Pit. That sounds really cool. That's an intriguing film to... Uh, to I've never seen that one, so I'll listen and look forward to hearing that one. Um, myself, uh, over my other podcast, Second Features, we just did our first audio commentary and that's for a film called The Monster, or I Don't Want to Be Born, and that's coming out in October on Blu-ray from Network. And I also wrote the booklet for that. I've been going on about this on Twitter, so if anybody <laughs> follows me on Twitter at Retro Ramblings, you'll be bored of this information already. But I, uh, I've also, I'm also involved with their Blu-ray release of the Bela Lugosi film Dark Eyes of London, which is pretty cool. I love that movie. Yeah, originally they were hoping to do it as a double bill with Dark Eyes of London and Dead Eyes of London. The, um, but yeah, I think they just couldn't get the rights in the end, so that sort of fell through, which is a shame, because that would have been cool. Yeah. But um, anyway, that's quite exciting. So both of those are coming out in October. Um, now, something that's quite an intrigue, it's funny the way the stars align. So with, with my other podcast, we're just a, we just recorded an episode yesterday on the Turkish film the man who saved the world mm -hmm. better known as Turkish Star Wars and it occurred to me having watched Escape from Galaxy 3 and Turkish Star Wars in the same week there's a lot of intriguing similarities everyone talks about Turkish Star Wars as obviously primarily being a Star Wars ripoff but um, there's some very interesting parallels with this movie that I might get into as we go have you ever seen Turkish Star Wars I have only seen clips I've never sat down and watched oh, okay. the thing from beginning uh, to end it's quite interesting. I recommend, obviously, I'm blowing my own trumpet here, but do have a listen to the, uh, to our episode when that comes out if if you want to go over and check out Second Features because um, okay. we it, we talked... I'm just I'm talking to the audience as well as you here. But uh, <laughs> we, 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 we go into quite a lot of detail, but we also talked to an academic who's done a lot of research in this area of Turkish cinema, and it's really fascinating. But, um, but yeah, it just occurred to me there's a lot of similarities with these with this film. So... Anyway, thank you. So here we are. We've reached the end. It's not Escape from Galaxy 1. It's not Escape from Galaxy 2. We're jumping straight in with Escape from Galaxy 3. Escape from Galaxy 3. 
the original title, which gives you some indication of what they thought they were going for. I think they were possibly partly inspired by Beast in Space because the, the original title is Giochi Erotici Nella Terza Galassia, which basically means erotic games in the third galaxy. <laughs> which is a more accurate title. There's also There was also the uh, a working title, apparently, according to the BFI, called Amori Stellari, which translates as Love in the Stars. Mm. Um, so, yeah, all of those are more accurate to the plot. Although, I mean, Love in the Stars, it's more like Love on the Ground. Um, <laughs> and there's not exactly any erotic games as such, I suppose, unless you count the... Um, that competition that they hold in the middle but we'll come to that later yeah that's we'll, we'll just we've got to discuss that yeah i i mean i flat out loved this film how familiar were you with this movie before we did it today i have to admit before i sat down to watch this uh i thought i had not seen it i think that i did see it somehow years and years ago um mm. And, and had completely and conveniently forgotten big chunks of it, uh, if not almost all of it. There were just there were certain scenes where I suddenly realized, oh man, wait a minute, this is familiar. And so what I think happened is that I probably watched it a long time ago uh, and blotted out as much as I could, possibly with beer. I'm not sure, <laughs> but I, I would bet that alcohol was involved and perhaps right. sleeping. I think that if you drink enough, uh, I've been told mm. that you fall asleep. So yes. Mm. Fair enough. Yeah, it's quite a movie. Uh, so the director, I'd never seen it before, but I'm so glad I did. Um, I was aware of it because another title this film is known as is in some territories. I believe in France it was released as Star Crash 2. Which is why I um, sought it out all those years ago because I knew it was it was presented to me as um, a, a, an, a, a, an unauthorized sequel to Star Crash. And it's like, mm. it, that's not what it is. No. And I did actually, um, I'm friends with Luigi Cozzi on Facebook, although that's nothing special because he's friends with about 4,000 people on Facebook. But I did message him because I have messaged him before and he's replied. So I messaged him to ask him, did they anyone ask permission to use all the special effects footage from Star Crash for this movie? Uh, as yet, he hasn't replied. But if he does, I, I'll let you know. <laughs> I, would, I would love to know too because I, I, don't, I don't want to... Um... I don't want to jump ahead, but I will say that there are there are a lot of moments in this movie in the first third where I think they use this the space footage better than it was used in Star Crash. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not being hyperbolic. I'm. I'm thinking. I. It, I think it's true. It doesn't. Um, yeah, Star Crash possibly like it's a bit because they've done all this great special effects footage. They're determined to squeeze as much juice out of it um as they can whereas it's used a bit more sparingly in this film mm -hmm. although i think the way they use it in this film it makes less sense with the plot that you're not entirely sure who ships or what oh it makes zero sense because there comes but, a point when you realize that they're using three different spacecrafts uh special yeah. effect shots model shots to indicate things happening to the same spacecraft which means wait a minute you've really messed know, up now yeah. Well, it's hard to follow. But so the director, let's start with him. Beto Albertini, also known as Adalberto Albertini, also known as Ben Norman <laughs> with this movie. 
He also directed under the name Al Albert, Albert Walkner, uh, Stanley Mitchell, and Albert Thomas. So he had several pseudonyms. Um, not entirely sure why. I don't know much about him. I've done a lot. I've dug around and found very little other than just the names of all the films he did. But he appears to have started out as a cinematographer right back in the 1940s. Um, he also became a writer. He started directing in the late 60s, doing, again, doing um, like Fumetti films, um, like three, The Three Supermen and that kind of stuff. Yeah. He, um, and Superman Against the Orient, that was one of his. He's done some westerns. He's perhaps best known amongst cult fans for directing the first Black Emmanuel. Uh, he did a couple of those Black Emmanuel films before Joe D'Amato kind of took the series over. Uh, he also did Yellow Emmanuel, which sounds, I've never seen it, but that just, <laughs> just the name sounds like it's even more racially... Uh, inappropriate uh, than Black Emmanuel. Oh, definitely, yes. Sounds pretty terrible. But, um, so in, in many ways, Escape from Galaxy 3 is a bit of an abnormal film in his filmography. I mean, not in the terms of the fact that it's fairly sexual, but just in terms of the fact that it's a sci-fi movie. There's nothing else around the film to suggest that he, that was a genre he was interested in particularly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I mean, he did, you know, a lot of different types of genre. I mean, a lot, of th- a lot of different types of films, but not a science fiction film. I mean, mm. there's a couple of things you could kind of refer to as giallos and, you know, mm. Superman against the Orient and a spaghetti western or two, but that's about yeah. it. Yeah. I can't wait till we do our Fumetti season and we do some of those Superman films. And <laughs> Those things, oh, so, those things so are fun. crazy completely crazy so fun. yeah and then it, interestingly he finished off his career as a director with some late mondo films I, had, I, I hadn't even remembered that italians were still making mondo movies in the 80s but uh he came in with some of those as well so quite a varied career lots of films are as a cinematographer as well he's done a whole load of those he did so he did one of the sando can films yeah and um just all kinds of cool stuff so yeah, an interesting guy. Uh, I mean, again, with so obviously so many of these Italian directors, you could just spend your whole life just watching their films, and you'd have a great time. Like Antonio Margheriti, is perhaps the the better known one, but he um, he seems to have had almost as lengthy and interesting a career as Margheriti. He didn't direct as many films, but he certainly shot tons of films. Um, and you look at the titles and you just think, oh, I'll add that to my wish list. And <laughs> that sounds intriguing. You know, there's just so many of them. But yeah, so um, that's our director. Now, obviously, uh, Luigi Cozzi gets a, gets a co-director credit on the IMDb purely because of the sci-fi. Because uh, basically this is a science fiction movie where they couldn't afford any special effects. So they just lifted footage from star crash now this is where the initial parallel comes with turkish star wars because in that film i'll tell you briefly what happens turkish star wars we start off with star wars footage of a battle in space between the good guys and the bad guys and we cut to we sort of see them in their spaceship which is basically a guy with a motorcycle helmet helmet on (laughs) with star wars footage being projected behind him 
and we're supposed to imagine that he's flying um, at one of the ships. I'm already in love, yes. yes. And so we see all this, but then they get they get hit, and they have to crash land on a planet, and that planet is suspiciously Earth-like. Mm. And they meet the local natives, and they end up having to fight the bad guy to defend the natives. Now, does that sound familiar? Because that's mm. very familiar. Sort of. It sounds yeah like something I may have seen before. Yeah. So it's funny. Tur- Turkish Star Wars takes all of its special effects footage from Star Wars at the beginning and at the end of the film and then in the middle has a very long seat patch where they just film in some some mountains and then you've got this film Escape from Galaxy 3 which has special effects footage at the beginning and at the end which are taken from Star Crash and then films the rest of it amongst some rocks just outside Rome it's quite Uh, uncanny how close it is one of the main differences is here with escape from galaxy 3 it's a a, a male and a female uh, who crash together rather than two guys which is what the other film does but i think there's this quite an uncanny parallel um with that there but it's interesting but anyway so we've got two heroes <laughs> bell star sort of yes We've got Bell Star, not Stella Star. She's Bell Star this time. But she's a princess, so keep that in mind. Yeah, Princess Bell Star, played by Sherry Buchanan, who yeah. is uh, actually from Mississippi, which she's is a good old American girl. Well, yeah, she was raised in Louisiana, apparently, and um, yeah, I, I recognized her name uh, because she did pop up in some Euro trash stuff in the seventies. Like mm. what, what have you done to Solange? I was, I was really kind of surprised. I, I was, she's just one of those that, you know, although yeah. I'd seen a few of the movies that she's been in, like last house on the beach yeah, and heroin tentacles. Busters. Yeah. But, but I, I tentacles is one of those movies. I hate to say this <laughs> because I just recently expressed some admiration for it in, in the bad movie, the bad movie world. Uh, Tentacles is. is one of those movies where all the details just kind of leap away from my brain 15 seconds oh. after the film ends. So I can't for me, it's all For me, it's all about Shelley Winter's hat. <laughs> oh, it's just extraordinary. For me, it's about the fact that it's a movie about a giant monster that they never show you. That's <laughs> just the no. most insane part of Tentacles, in my opinion. Uh, but, yeah. It's like, okay, we can give you a couple of orcas... <laughs> or we can give you an octopus, but we can't give you both things. We've got a foul-tempered barracuda. Would that work for you? <laughs> oh, it's just, I just never get over Shelley Winter's hat. It's just incredible. It's like, you can just imagine the wardrobe, and they just kept saying, mm, I don't know, have you got a bigger one? <laughs> oh, let me just... Have you got okay. one the size of a Cadillac? It's like... Yeah. <laughs> I want I want a hat that could also function as a house. <laughs> That's what I want on my head. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. Now, um, also, so the film that I recognize Sherry Buchanan from is uh, the film that's best known in America as Dr. Butcher, MD. Yeah. Uh, known to me as Zombie Holocaust. In fact, but actually, it's a complete coincidence, but I just realized I'm wearing my zombie holocaust t-shirt today are you sure that's a coincidence that, yeah i didn't even put that on on purpose i just looked down and realized i'm wearing zombie holocaust today. that's really funny because uh, she plays the main woman in that um and that's a film that i have seen and i've even got the soundtrack album wow actually yeah i know a bit overkill 
um, so yeah, so Sherry Buchanan or Cheryl Buchanan, as she's sometimes credited, yeah, uh, plays Belle Star. She is the princess, and her father is what's his name, Cylon. Cylon. He's the king oh, no, of this part king. of the galaxy. Uh, quite similar. She's basically she's almost the David Hasselhoff of this film. <laughs> kind of, sort of, yeah. Because uh, her father is the, the the peaceful ruler of this quadrant of the galaxy, um, and his right hand man is called Lithan or Lithian. Um, kind of depends on which section of the film you're listening to how yeah. that's pronounced. Yeah. Yeah. And um, they're under attack by, oh, just the greatest villain of all time, Oroclon. Zeno, can you hear me? I can see and hear you speak. I'm sure you understand that this is not one of my usual peaceful reconnaissance flights into your galaxy. You've made yourself very clear, Oroclon. Then you surrender. It's useless for me to surrender. You'll still destroy my subjects. Therefore, my answer is never. So be it. Ixalan will be destroyed because of your blind stupidity. Good riddance. <laughs> yes, played can we by, talk about played by Don Powell. Poor guy. Oh, can we talk about Oroclon? I mean, so the first thing that came to mind when I saw Oroclon, he's got the greatest <laughs> costume in the history of cinema <laughs> uh, it's just incredible they're, so me, him actually Oroclon and Lithian have, and, and even Bellstar like the three of them have got the greatest costumes it's basically like somebody said to these guys right we want you to make a Star Wars ripoff <laughs> but none of them had seen Star Wars <laughs> but somebody somebody did own the disco Star Wars album by Miko And because the, the the on the cover of the album, and I've got this, I'll tweet it out. Okay. The cover of that album has got two people wearing these amazing space disco costumes, and they're kind of doing the bump together. Um, and it's like that—that that was all they had to go on with this movie. <laughs> they're like, okay, that's Star Wars. Fine, we can do that. Uh, they're just amazing. So, Oroclon's costume. Oh. The first, the thing that came to mind for me was: Do you remember Show Nuff? in the last dragon oh my god yeah do you remember the last dragon i've, I've tried to blot it out i'm not that oh. much of a fan but i do know I what saw you're talking that, about i saw that film late one night uh complete by accident just the credits came on and we were watching tv and the opening credit sequence is a guy kind of karate chopping arrows as they fly past yes. him and um, we're watching this thinking well we have to watch this and then show enough turned up the 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 best dressed uh, comedy villain of all time. Um, <laughs> I thought, and then I saw Escape from Galaxy Three. Uh, it's just amazing. So yeah, so <laughs> so he played by Don Powell. So um, so here we have um, it was quite rare actually. If we think about the the films that we've done, I can only think of one other black actor in all of them. 
which was um, a dancer in Wild Wild Planet who also popped up in Assignment Out of Space. Yeah. Um, I can't remember any other black actors at no, all in, in any of the really films. No, I really can't either. Um, which I don't really know what that says about Italian cinema at the time. But here we have Don Powell more than making up for it. Um, he he was a, he didn't act all that much. No, he didn't have um, a, he didn't have much of a career in front of the camera. No, no, he's more of a, a musician and a composer. Um, he's done a lot of music. He did music for Black Emmanuel, um, amongst other things. He did music for, I mean, two of my favorite Margariti films, uh, The Young, The Evil, and The Savage, aka Naked You Die. He wrote the song Nightmare which is awesome. He also wrote the opening song for And God Said to Cain. Ah, yeah. So, yeah, really interesting guy. Um, although, I mean, curiously, he doesn't appear to have done the music for this film, and the soundtrack is amazing. <laughs> there is some brilliant early 80s disco in this movie, particularly, wow, and we'll get to brilliant. it. You keep throwing words around, and I'm oh. sure you know what they, what they actually mean. So, oh. <laughs> There's a bit where the uh, the natives, in inverted commas, that they meet later in the film, do a do a, a traditional native dance for them, and it's like, well, but these natives have got disco. Like there is disco on the planet. Oh, oh they definitely do. Yes. Oh, yes. it's just amazing. So, uh, yeah. In fact, like, why don't we just we'll pause for a moment here, and I'll just throw in some of the tunes uh, that we get to hear in this film. <laughs> So yeah, there we go. So that's the the music of this was not performed by Don Powell. He was too busy strutting around a set uh looking awesome with this the I mean I don't know how to describe his costume. Oh, I can describe it for you. Can you it, describe it, the costume it, for okay. me because I've got I haven't got the words. Well, the the character that Don Powell is playing, as you said, Oraclon, he is the villain of the piece and he is villainizing it up pretty heavily, but the costume that he is wearing it seems as if someone somewhere saw either uh, the full episodes or just photos from episodes of specific Doctor Who ep- shows from the seventies. Mm. So he looks like uh, he's wearing a variation on the ceremonial outfit that a Time Lord would wear on Gallifrey, mm. <laughs> only painted wrongly. Um, uh, it's it, it's it's all. It, I mean, it's very it's very strange. Like uh, if you can picture some of the stuff from like Deadly Assassin or some of the other uh, episodes of the Tom Baker run that take place on Gallifrey, you'll know what I'm talking about because okay. yeah. it's uh, completely impractical, totally ludicrous, and in like fuchsia and and green. I don't understand the color scheme on this other than it, if it if you were the the evil overlord of an, of an entire uh, villainous army. Perhaps you would wear this just to dare your subordinates to say something nasty to you. I, I, I don't, I don't understand it, but I will say this. He, he, uh, I don't care what you're going to call him. You can, you can try to pretend that his name is Oraclon, but for me, 
I have I constantly just referred to him throughout the movie as Darth Glitterbeard. And oh, <laughs> even his yeah, even his beard is glittering. I know. I mean, his, it's cos- his costumes, it's a little bit Ming the Merciless as well. Yeah, yeah, maybe maybe I Ming think. the Merciless is worth that we've got. And he's just got the he's got like a an, uh, lightning on his chest as well I think and on his belt as if like yeah. lightning was a theme <laughs> yeah and he's got the biggest shoulder pads he's got a cape uh, oh and I was wrong Don Powell did do the music I, I was oh, looking yeah. at I was looking at the soundtrack so it wasn't pre-existing music he did compose the music for this so film, he's he is, was involved in the disco stuff on this this is like a pat this is you know this is obviously a great personal project for Don Powell not only did he get to do the music but he got to strut his stuff around one set yeah exactly, <laughs> exactly one, one set yes and they, they basically uh I think they just had one room available in the studio one one stage and they created three set three spacey sets in the stage we've got the space the deck of the spaceship for Bellstar's dad Ceylon then we've got the the spaceship for Oraclon, who just struts around looking at um, screens and kind of, I don't know, lava lamps and just whatever. <laughs> and he's basically got two henchmen quite, who look quite Wait, old are, are and we, Are we sure that the person listed as Don Powell, who did the music for this? I mean, I there's a Don Powell who was a member of Slade, right? What, Slade? Yeah. No, I don't think that's the same Don. It's not Powell. the same. Can't be the same guy. That's crazy no. talk. <laughs> oh my word! Uh, but his costume also reminds me of something that you might have seen Funkadelic or um, Parliament wear. Yeah, yeah. At some point, yeah. I, I can very, I very of, much see this being on stage with George Clinton. That's true. Yeah, there's a kind of Afrofuturist element to his costume mm-hmm. as well. It's just extraordinary. Oh, I love this film so much. Uh, I just kept hoping um, that that glitter they put in his beard is not something that he accidentally inhaled, but I just can't imagine that he didn't. Yeah, or comes off in his food. uh, (laughs) Yes, exactly. Choking on a bit of diamond out of his beard. It's amazing. (laughs) So anyway, so they're under attack from from Oraclon. He calls himself the King of the Night, and apparently he commands a vast army, although we don't see any evidence of that. Other than this is where we keep getting stock footage from Star Crash <laughs> to illustrate the vast army. Yes. And so he appears, to, although we see him uh, in this little room that's apparently his spaceship, when we cut to the to the outside shots of his ship, he's in the big um, ship that looks like a hand that's got fingers yes. from Star Crash. So he's flying in that and his spaceships are whizzing around. So he's got this big army. He is taking over. He's come to get rid of Ceylon. Ceylon? 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 I'm not entirely sure. Um, You're just confusing yourself now, man. Yeah. So he's going to take over. And so uh, what's Ceylon going to do? He's a peaceful guy. He needs help from (laughs) the rest of the galaxy. Maybe he needs help from galaxies one and two. Possibly. To help him out. So he sends... Bell Star on a mission to like a diplomatic mission. So she's this is where she's the Princess Leia at this point. Yeah. Uh, on a diplomatic mission to go and get help to fight Oraclon. And he sends Lithian because it's dangerous. 
Well, no, because no, he's because got, he's got uh, good hair. He's got a big uh, fuzzy head of hair, and therefore oh, looks a good deal like Marjo Gortner. So. Yeah, he's Marjo and David Hasselhoff thrown to get mixed together. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas Belle Star is Caroline Monroe and David Hasselhoff also mixed together. Her costume, we haven't mentioned her costume yet, and her costume's pretty amazing too. Yes. And she's walking around in this stuff in front of her dad. I mean, I don't know. If I was a father, I'd feel quite uncomfortable. And I'm pretty sure <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's a one moment where Cylon like glances gives her a glance up and down. And I'm not sure if that's creepy or if he's disapproving. It's, it's I'm, I'm to gonna go with disapproving, hopefully there. Yeah. So her costume is amazing. I mean, um <laughs> uh, Matt Blake in his book describes her as wearing a starfish over one breast. And that is true. That's uh, pretty, yeah. And, and, she's and got, it, it's this blue slash across, you know, diagonally across yeah. her body so that one of her legs is uh, encased in what I assume is blue spandex and the other yeah. leg is not. Yeah. And one breast is covered in blue spandex and the other one is not. It's so just, they, they position that star there. You know? yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's very yeah. strange. And, and Sherry and, Buchanan, she... I have to say this, this 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 was a little disturbing because for the first 30 minutes of the film I kept getting distracted not necessarily by the costume but by how thin she is. Oh and, yeah. And how it made it, I, there were shots where I was like oh, my her head is too large for that thin body. It's very strange. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. And so um Lithian, who is played with mentioned him yet. He's played by Fausto Di Bella. Yeah. Um another actor who he appeared in a film called Computron 22, which just sounds amazing. <laughs> that, that's, um, your, that's your takeaway from his entire career. Yeah, I love Computron. that. He, he's also, you might recognize him from Torso. Yeah. yeah. He's in Torso and a couple of other things, Case of the Bloody Iris, uh, a couple of other movies. He's got uh, a small like role that. in Hitchhike, which is a great movie. Oh, yes, he is. That's great, isn't it? Isn't he one of the guys who uh, who kills... Who tries to kill Franco Nero at the end? He's one of the motorcycle guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that hitchhike is amazing. Um, yeah. So anyway, so here he goes. So Lithian, he's uh, got lovely hair. He's got an amazing costume. Oh my goodness, space disco ahoy with his costume. Oh yeah, um, incredible. Uh, I mean, you just have to find. I mean, I will be tweeting out pictures of these people. But I've also the film is on YouTube. So if you haven't watched it yet, I hope that by the end of this episode, you're uh, frantically searching and, 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 and sticking it on. <laughs> so they go off together to make the journey to, to try and get some help. Meanwhile, Ceylon's spaceship gets blown up by Oroclon, who he's now the king of the night, but he's not going to rest until he's also found Bellstar and Lithian, who have flown off. And they've got some kind of cloaking technology or something. They seem to be able to hide. But then... Um, Ceylon kind of chases them and they get hit. Well, one thing that's, I, can't, I think, a little unclear, it appears that Oroclon, like, blows up the planet that the king is on. Am I wrong? Well, I think the king was in a spaceship. Oh, oh okay, okay. Well, it looked, like a acting, red, it looked like a red dot, so I don't know. Yeah, they're acting like it's a planet, but I think it was a spaceship as well. That's never entirely clear. Okay. But, um, yeah, he wants to rule the universe, but he can't do that, apparently, until he's caught Bellstar for himself. Meanwhile, Bellstar and Lithian, they're spinning away into space. They've been hit. They've got to land somewhere to make repairs. 
They look for a suitable nearby planet or asteroid. And what is this strange place? I've never seen a planet that color before. Uh, yeah, I I'm love scanning these. its he, surface. He says, I've never seen those colors before. And I'm like, Doofus, you're wearing one of those colors. He's wearing those colors. <laughs> it's called blue. Okay. Just roll with it. Uh, I, there are no volcanoes. Uh, <laughs> this surface is not volcanic. I, I don't know what it is. This might be the point to tell people, by the way, all of the dialogue in this movie is ridiculously awful. Gold. It's gold. (laughs) Ridiculously awful gold. How's that for Well, now that you've brought the dialogue, I was going to bring this up. But okay, right now, what I'm going to insert into the podcast is just a a choice selection of some. It's not even necessarily my favorite dialogue. It's just some random dialogue, but it's all (laughs) just gold. Here it is. The left quadrant indicates we're off course. Right, the computer is already handling that. We're protected by the Omega unit, which is activated automatically the moment there's a navigational malfunction. Use a megametric teleprobe and scan the whole eastern galaxy! Sir. Wait! Including the equidistant conic tangent. Yes, my lord. What is that stuff? It's water. I once saw some in my father's collection of intergalactic minerals. What do you use it for? It's two parts hydrogen and one part oxygen. Even when he was stroking me, there was a strange light in his eyes. And he started fondling me all over my body until he climbed up on top of me. And it was fantastic. You must try it. Here, give me your hand. Hey, wait. Can you help me, please? Do you fancy him? I do. He's nice. Yes. <laughs> uh, if you... Uh, I'm sorry. When you stand so close, my mind goes blank. I uh, forget what I'm trying to say. Action stations, all units. Turn on the laser barrier. Switch over to direction control. Course 4013, 15th dimension. But something happened to them on Earth. First, I want to know what it is. And then. <laughs> there you go. Okay. What, what I love I'm is definitely... that no matter what you choose from the movie, <laughs> you could probably convince people that you were actually just taking random bits from different yeah. points in the movie and stringing them together because oh, it would make as much so sense. Um, there's so much science babble oh, I know. that they use. And they put the word mega in front of things quite a lot to make it sound like it's space i know instead of it's like they caught on that putting space in front of a noun doesn't make it science fiction so they decided to go with other things like mega it's very strange there's there's definitely stuff like what is this thing you call love (laughs) oh Um, god okay okay if you i I wasn't gonna leap ahead and i can i can hold (laughs) off but man we have got to discuss the things that these people do somehow not Um, understand well, apparently, so we find out later on in the film, it turns out that these space people from whatever, from Galaxy 3, I guess, I are immortal. They don't appear to need to eat or drink or procreate. They just exist. Yeah, because they land and, on this planet, which is very clearly, from what we can see, Earth. Mm. And, and, you know, near near a village, you know, with that the huts, the, all the huts appear to be constructed from Fabergé eggs the size of, oh, a, no. I don't know, a house. Yeah. 
and they're puzzled by things on this planet, Adrian. There's things on this planet they just don't understand. Yes. What is that? Don't touch it. It could be dangerous, they say when looking at some water. <laughs> oh, my, they don't, don't worry. know what water is. Don't worry, she says. It's fine. My father had some in his collection of antiques or something like or, that. Or, yeah, yeah, of, of strange <laughs> minerals. It's like, oh, yeah, lady, strange minerals. lady, it's H2O <laughs> for God. And the, is she even, like, spells out the... the yeah she knows it's chemical compounds oh yeah because they've already yeah it's part of their science babble they've already identified that they can breathe the air of the earth by knowing what it's it's made of now the the purpose for landing here is to make some repairs because they've got to hot foot it to get some help to save the galaxy right that's their mission their father has been blown up i'm not sure she knows that yet or not but either way they've got to make some repairs and then just get on with their mission but do they no. no. <laughs> they land, they go for a lovely long stroll to check out the area. They don't seem to be in any hurry at any point in this. There's even a point later on where I think they say, oh, we haven't even fixed the ship yet. It's like they've just completely forgotten. Well, it's I mean, like they, they get distracted by all these people. Yeah. It's like they've landed on the Beast in Space planet. And there's actually an underground supercomputer that's gone wrong, that's make wiped that wiped their memories or something because they've just landed and automatically forgotten what the hell they're supposed to be doing. So they go for a nice walk. They see some water. They're very confused, um, but there are some locals who are dressed in leftover clothing from a peplum movie, <laughs> and um, they're very concerned about who these people might be. They are strange. They've landed in. They're like they're gods who've come from the sky, um, and so they the locals go and talk in. They obviously all speak English, which is helpful. Which is helpful. They yes. go and they go and talk to the village elder, and at first he's all like, "So, tell me one at a time." He, he seems to be the sensible one in the room. Tell me who are you? Tell me what you saw. Did you did you hurt them in any way? Like it's clear he's sensible, and then. Like he goes, he says, "Take me to see these people." So they go and have a little look, and then they have a meeting again. He's like, "Right, we're going to burn them." <laughs> oh, they they move from mild curiosity yeah. to intense curiosity it's, to outright destruction. It's just yeah, it's like Monty Python. The, she's a witch. Can we burn her? How do you know she's a witch? <laughs> it's just like she looks like one. He's like, "Yes, we're going to burn them." Exactly. Uh, okay, fine. Bit harsh. So um, they decide to go out and capture them because we know they're dangerous because they use uh, their ray guns to... He uh, Lithian didn't want to hurt anybody, but he did shoot rocks out of people's hands and stuff like that to stop them because they're, they're trying to chuck rocks at them and all sorts of things. Yes. So anyway, they've determined yeah, I, I will that these say people this. are did dangerous. Did you notice one of the things that they've also stolen wholesale from Star Crash is uh, the random introduction of superpowers from their main characters. It's oh, like... it's so good. So, yeah, so he can shoot stuff. That's fine. We've got that. that. That's fine. It's a sci-fi movie. He's got a laser gun. Okay. He's also got a ring that has a little red light on it, which we're supposed to believe has cosmic powers or something. But, yeah, so they get captured by this civilization. Um, because And he says, we're going to burn you because you're too dangerous. So... And meanwhile, Bellstar and Lithan is like, can't I just kill these people? And Bellstar's like, no, let's just go with it. I'm sure it'll be fine. <laughs> no, we're going to be all right. You. They're not really going to burn gonna, us. That's stupid. We're going to burn you. 
Um, so they're all all the people are gathering in for the burning. It's very exciting, and we get an almost it's almost like a Wicker Man moment where they're they're brought along to this big pile of sticks, and there are, there are men standing there with big flaming torches. So it's it's kind of Wicker Manny, um, and but then right on cue, a small child who is trying to lean over the cliff to to get a better view of the burning uh, falls over the cliff and is hanging on a very strong yet extremely bendy branch uh, and he's like mommy save me mommy mommy and everyone's screaming oh my baby so lithian looks at bell bell looks at lithian and then lithian leaps about 50 feet in the air it's pretty amazing because it turns out that he has power over gravity which um, they didn't think to yeah. mention before yeah now it, it, this is the f- the madness of this, this this like, okay, so we can tell what they're doing here as far as the story is concerned. It's like we've got to we've got to turn this around, we've got to get everybody mm. on the same side so that we can all have sex. So okay, mm-hmm. cool. We'll do it this way. <laughs> the uni- the universal the universal uh th- thing that uh, that'll allow anyone and everyone to change their bizarre immigration policy, which is to have someone yeah. save a child. We're we're good. Yeah. Oh, we're not gonna burn them anymore. We saved a baby. Uh, and I love the fact that he kind of leaps up there, grabs the kid, gives her back to her mother, and the mothers are like, "Thank you." And then he just jumps back down again. It's brilliant. He leaps off the cliff, <laughs> and uh, yeah. So apparently he has the power of gravity, which we. Uh, so then they're accepted, and the village elder is all like, "Oh, <laughs> oh!" When I said burn you, no, 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 no. <laughs> I didn't say burn. I didn't mean I actually said, burn. You. I said uh, welcome you to our village. Uh, <laughs> oh lord, it's yes, yeah. yes. So, so they are uh, they're fully integrated straight away into the village because they are given their own skimpy outfits. And yes. my goodness, I mean the so the first thing we should say is this is a film that is not currently commercially available as far as I can tell. So the only version you can find is from a VHS. And so it's a bit fuzzy. But even amongst through the fuzziness, you can see that the outfits that both of them are wearing, both Lithian and Bell Star, are wearing the tiniest of mini skirts you've ever seen in a film. <laughs> I mean, yes, and, exactly. And Bell is wearing a top that looks like it was once um, handled by Freddy Krueger. It's just yes. cut to shreds. It's either that or she borrowed it from Serpa Lane off Beast in Space. It, it's just it, cut it, in the perfect way so that it does most of the time, I'm saying like 85% of the time, cover both nipples. But yes. Mm. Well, it's either covering one or the other. Not necessarily <laughs> yes. both. Not both at the same time. <laughs> it's really funny. So we know that they're fine now because, and all the kids are like, yay. So there's a great scene where they come out uh, of their their huts in their new clothes and they're playing with the village children and everything's happy. And then the, the village elder, he explains to them the reason why he was nervous is because they come from a civilization that was dist- basically destroyed by an atomic war. And yes. so, again, these are the survivors, which did make me start to wonder, oh, is there going to be a secret computer under the ground? Because <laughs> I'm sure I've heard this before. Yeah, I was about to say, um, it did seem like the next step from what we've been taught yeah. by Italian science fiction films up to this point. Yeah. So um, they are just now happy. They've completely forgotten that they're supposed to be fixing their ship 
and getting the hell out of there as soon as possible. Because meanwhile, while they're just having a great time wandering around, getting plenty of air to their nether regions, um, the the galaxy is being destroyed by Disco Darth Vader. And uh, <laughs> but that's it's all. Dar- it's Darth Glitterbeard, damn it! <laughs> yeah, they are. They've forgotten. They've forgotten what they're doing. And so she goes for a swim in the waterfall, and there's a peeping tom in the village who's just watching and having a, and is fine. She gets out. She's sunbathing. He's just coming over and staring at her. She doesn't appear to mind because apparently. There's no interaction of that kind between men and women where they come from. So he teaches her um, how to be seduced by a waterfall. <laughs> and she loves it. In all, She's very innocent. She's telling Lithian about this later. She's trying to describe to him how great it was, what a good time they had. Yeah, and so, it. so it, it appears that we're, we're being led to believe that these two bipedal... <laughs> mammals yeah uh well they they're they've been in such an uh an advanced uh society i i assume that yeah. they've progressed past the not just you know the the need for water and food because they're really really impressed with this whole concept of drinking and eating um, yeah. and and the, the, but they also no need to procreate they don't go into any detail about you yeah. know whether we're talking about clones or or some kind of artificial something or another, but they're just really, really impressed with the act of sex itself. So, oh, and they—I I think earlier on in the film they'd seen a couple snogging, yeah, and um, and tried it, and like gra- grappling with each other, and so they're <laughs> like, oh, maybe this is how they communicate. Let's try it. And there's a hilarious scene with the two of them put trying to put their arm. They're they're looking at this couple on the floor. And then they're trying to place their hands on each other, and it's very robotic. And then they like lean in to do the funniest kiss. I mean, you've got to admire the the two because although this isn't a comedy, it is a comedy. It, and what it, it's an accidental comedy. Very, yes. What they're doing is funny. You've got to admire their commitment to the performance because they are both putting in great comedic performances here. Um. So yeah, but now but now she's learned the full thing, and she's trying to explain it to him later and he just doesn't get it and she's in she tries kissing him she tries to get him to touch her and she's touching him nothing he's just he's like a, an ice man doesn't get it at all um there's a brilliant bit now i'm starting to get a bit lost about where things are happening here because um well i mean t- so I can't. Depends on where I you can't it Depends on where you want to go. Yeah. Oh, there's a bit when she's. Oh yeah, she's talking to him about how this works, and he doesn't get it. And then she sees two women and a man come walking through the clearing, and she's like, "Oh, let's ask them for help." So she just yes. basically just goes up to these girls and says, "Excuse me, do you fancy him?" <laughs> I know, using the very British terminology there. Yeah. I know. I was like, "What?" That I'd like to know what that is in in the actual it's Italian version, but. Uh, although they do appear to be speaking English, I think the, it was pretty much shot in English. I think so. She does say, "Do you fancy him?" Which I've never heard that said in a in, in a film before. I don't think it's very funny. And they're like, "Oh yeah, he's a bit of all right." So she's like, well, "Do you both you both have a go with him?" And then she turns to the bloke, "Do you want to have a go? Do you want to have a go with me?" And he's like, "Yes." 
<laughs> he's a bit of all right. I love it. Uh, uh, so they just basically very, very agreeably all start getting it on. Oh yeah. And the two yeah. women are giggling away. Um, Lithian still isn't really feeling it at all. And <laughs> I kept Bell waiting Star for them to pull is... the trigger on the character just simply being gay. I mean, that would have been an yeah. interesting t- tack to take yeah. there. To be like, oh, okay, well, there, there you go. That's fine. Just nothing. So they're just about to get down to it. But then all of a sudden, we discover that meanwhile, Oraclon has located them through some kind of radiation <laughs> from their spaceship. Some kind of radiation signature for the ship. Yeah, because yeah. so. he has he has a thing, I've got it written down here, called a megametric teleprobe. <laughs> which he's using to find where they are (laughs) it's like this script was written it's like this script was written by 12 year old boys i gotta tell you man it's bad enough watching the film hearing you say it it just makes it even funnier i'm just i mean i love it i love it there's like all the very basic not really quite understanding what sex is stuff and the occasional shots of boobs and then the really awful very naive sciencey bits it does feel like this was this is some 12 year old boys dream film <laughs> yes really, exactly oh it's so good okay so they're, so they're just getting down to it in this clearing or trying to lithian's not really performing and then a shadow appears over the village and this is because oracle has found them so quickly bellstar and lithian they jump up and they're like oh crap yeah we're supposed to be like doing some stuff so <laughs> there's they, a plot somewhere in this mess Wait. they they leg it back to their spaceship and they flick a switch which apparently fixes turns it. on something that makes oraclon think that it wasn't them after all yeah. because back in oraclon's ship they're like oh yeah hang on actually that planet has got background radiation because of their nuclear war so it's probably nothing it's probably not them we've got a lot of places to look and uh darth disco beard um says <laughs> Oh well, you know, let's not waste our time. Keep looking. I've got, uh, I've got to go and stick some more glitter to my face. And, uh, <laughs> because so it's Bell, falling off. Yes. Bellstar and Lithan are the heroes again of the village because not only did they save a small child, they've now saved the whole village from some angry god. And so a party is thrown in their honor. And oh boy, this is where we get the. Um, <laughs> the native dance sequence oh, where man. but they've clear yeah. they've they've set up some speakers oh. they've got the um they've got some di- some djs ready and we get a full-blown native disco uh, <laughs> scene uh here's some music it, they, okay they, what they, yes some music it looks like uh, honestly it looks like a cheerleading squad oh doing you know in sync dance moves there yeah you know in front of the 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 faberge house huts i mean it's very yeah and they're trying to do native dancing it's like they watched something like the dance sequences from live and let die or something (laughs) like that um and they've tried to sort of choreograph something but they've also been watching a lot of top of the pops uh, in this country, we had a show huge in the 70s and 80s 
called Top of the Pops, where there yeah. was a dance troupe called um, Pan's People, and they would do dance numbers to chart hits. I'm sure there was probably the equivalent in America. Oh, there was but, the, uh, probably the Solid Gold Dancers would be yeah. what they were called here in the States. Right. There was a television it, show, it, yeah. It's like that, but they're dressed in their little peplum skirts. The men and the women. Yep. Uh, and But the music is great. I love the music. If there's a Escape from Galaxy 3 soundtrack album, I want to buy it. Oh, you are oh. you are a dangerously strange person, Adrian. It's so good. Oh, dear. I'm having a good time talking about this, reliving this movie. <laughs> I was really enthusing about this film yesterday with my family, and they were just giving me the funniest looks. Oh well, yeah, even, they were they were definitely thinking that perhaps they ought to make sure that that, that you've you filled out a will or. or I even showed I showed my son the uh, I showed him Oraclon's costume because it's just <laughs> oh, so good. So anyway, so they are having a party now. This party happens to coincide with a festival. Uh, is it called Love Day? love I night don't remember it just it's finally like they decided they needed to give some verbal reason why yeah. everyone is so damned horny so but yeah it's got love day or something where once a year they have a competition and the winner of the competition can choose whichever woman he wants from the village to uh have a night of love with her and it seems like this is all they do every day anyway so i don't know how this day is any different. How, how was this different it, yeah so the dancers they light a ring of fire in the clearing and then there's what looks what looks like a couple of diving boards set up above the fire across and from each all, other yeah all you've got to do is climb up go across the diving board over the top of the fire and then jump down into the middle and get, the, get be, the necklace out of the out of the yeah out of the ball. there's a necklace in the middle and yeah. then you haven't even got to get oh then you've got to jump out and get out the other side that was basically it doesn't seem that hard nope um but we see one guy have a go and he just sets fire to his bum, which was pretty funny. Oh, and then tries to put it out and somehow that catches it on fire yeah. more? Because he sits, he sits in a little bowl of petrol or something. I, 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 I assume, laughing. perhaps kerosene. Like, oh, third degree burns are so funny <laughs> uh, in a primitive society. Right <laughs> We've got no medicine. Oh, oh this my is hilarious. What is so, penicillin yeah, again? Yes. He's run off to find some dock leaves to rub on it or something. I don't know what I he's going to do. <laughs> he's got to find some aloe vera from somewhere oh um, well no no we we did see a, a water buffalo earlier so that we can so maybe it's water buffalo dung that he has to rub on that's the, true the oh yes. yes there's a great scene where lithan i thought lithian was going to shoot the water buffalo because he thinks it's some kind of space <laughs> okay monster. now let, let's just say that my admiration for this film would have would have leapt into the stratosphere yeah. if he had blown the water buffalo to hell yeah. right there in the middle as of as it is of the he, he goes he's told the, the water buffalo is perfectly safe so he goes and strokes it and then gets comically um pushed out like thrown by, by the, the, uh, by the water buffalo hilarious now i was assuming at this point that lithian was going to get up um because we've already seen that he can leap really far oh and i think there was also a scene i think we might have skipped over it when he's being given a tour by the village elder and they're trying to build a dam oh, yeah. across this river and they're trying to move these rocks and they're really heavy and he's like oh well you just got to put these rocks over there so he just picks them up and chucks them <laughs> because he's because got, they're made he, of styrofoam oh i'm sorry yeah because <laughs> he knows the secret ingredient he he because he's got power of gravity again i think is the something or super strength or they're never yeah. very they're never ever clear about exactly no. what, what is going on there so 
because also I think we've met, we forgot this right at the beginning when um, uh, when Ceylon has sent them off on this quest anyway because they've got they haven't got an army big enough to defeat uh, the baddie but they've got Plan Exelon or something yeah which we're never quite told what that is I uh, just just remembered I'm about not really that. sure yeah there's some kind of plan that's going to help them defeat. Oracle, but, but it's like come... the name of the planet is Exelon. Yeah. So it's like there's a some kind of planet. secret plan. Yes, I don't know. I don't know. Secret plan. Um, whether that plan involves being able to chuck rocks uh, really far, <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, so these guys, anyway, they're totally the heroes. And so another guy gets up and predictably he wins the competition and he goes around looking at all these women. But of course, he chooses Bell Star. Oh, yeah. Who meanwhile is sitting there drinking wine and getting fondled by a couple of village guys uh including one of these village guys is a toviano dell'acqua um one of the dell'acqua family of stunt people whose names are all over italian cinema um uh, that would make sense yeah a toviano dell'acqua he plays one of the zombies with i think it's the zombie with maggots in his eye in uh, zombie Hol uh, zombie flesh eaters or zombie 2 Lucio Fulci's um, zombie, yeah. Yeah. So the Dell'Acqua name is well known in Italian stunt oh, circles. okay, good. But yeah, I think he's the one giving her a good fondle. And Lithian <laughs> is sitting there with the same two women from earlier who are still trying their best to stir something in his loins, but it's just not <laughs> happening. Um, so anyway, so Bellstar is chosen and she's taken back to the tent for a night of love on Love Day. And... Uh, that doesn't sit well with Lithian, so he goes to bed. But I think oh, there's another woman who comes in and starts rubbing him and massaging him, and he's just not feeling it because he realizes he's having flashbacks to Belle and how much he's starting to realize that actually maybe he wants to be with Belle, and she's the one for him after all. Yes. So he legs it into the the hut that she's in with this guy, and basically just starts um, making moves on bell he doesn't even punch the other guy out of the way or anything which would have been funny the other guy's just left standing there like uh hello i'm still here uh, remember necklace uh, fire ring Come i won on. yeah i won the competition don't i get anything hello am i can you see me uh it's just ignored poor guy so it looks like now that they have fallen in love lithianus finally understands what love is ah uh, which is unfortunate for them because it turns out that once you have known the pleasures of the flesh, you stop being immortal, apparently. Yes, well, for some reason. But Bellstar only thought to mention this to Lithian after they'd done it. <laughs> well, like, I, can't, oh, I, just, I, I, I can't. I just remember this important she, thing. Yeah, yeah. It's almost as if she said this. I can't tell if she's like informing of him of this or reminding him you know it's like you yeah. know we've just screwed up right so yeah <laughs> we're gonna die now <laughs> oh thanks you could have mentioned this earlier but, <laughs> yes uh, does this mean i don't get to fire things out of my hands anymore that i'm not uh, super well, strong or but meanwhile whilst they're having lovely post-coital conversations about death um the suddenly the village starts getting shot up because oracle found them and he's coming back uh, to to finish what he started so they realize that what they have to do is get back in their ship which I'm, i still don't think they fixed uh, well they, they, they obviously gonna... did it at some point so yes yeah uh, okay they've done something 
um, and they've got to go they've got to draw fire away from the village uh, because they, they don't want the village to be destroyed because uh, it'll be their fault and they get back into space and we get more star crash footage now as Oraklan and Bellstar fight each other but Bellstar decides that what they've got to do is, is just uh, surrender to Oraklan. The only way to defeat Oraklan apparently this might be something to do with Plan X Salon is to just get really close to him. That seems to be like, okay, we're just going to, I'm just going to give up so we can get close. So this is where we get to one of my favorite scenes. So picture, if you can, a big, basically quite empty set that is primarily being colored and decorated by uh, lights. Yes. They've just got some gels and they're flashing them around. Um, and there's a couple of glittery things standing about and Oraklon standing there in his magnificent costume and so Bellstar and Lithan are brought in by their guards she's now going to become his slave for eternity and Lithan is going to go and be sent to work in the mines forced labor yeah yeah forced labor for eternity but uh Oraklon is not content to uh to just lord it over the princess himself he also wants to bring in all the popes that he's kidnapped to uh to the watch. kings the kings yes they're they're all it's like it's just an array of popes it's brilliant so you gotta be impressed by the variety of uh crowns that these folks are wearing yeah, yeah. so just these guys come in they're all the different kings uh that have that have been destroyed or their countries have been destroyed or whatever uh but they're all dressed like popes it's like a pope uh look-alike competition <laughs> <laughs> and they're all lined up to see Bellstar have to become the slave to Darth Disco Beard. Uh, glitter, no, Glitter Beard. Darth Glitter Beard, yes. Disco Glitter Beard. And um, she's like, oh, before I come with you and be your slave for eternity, can I just say farewell to Lithian? And he's like, yeah, okay, I'm just going to go over here and sew some sequins onto my eyelids. Uh, <laughs> And so, because oh, also I think Oraklon has been watching them because he's got a camera that can do this. So he's seen them getting it on before and he's been very confused by their behavior. He doesn't understand what all this kissing is. Uh, uh, it's, it reminded me, I think there's one bit where he looks in on their spaceship and he just sees yeah. Bell and Lithian snogging. It reminded me of always the scene you always get at the end of one of the James Bond films with Roger Moore. <laughs> yes. Where where like the prime minister is ready to talk to bond and they cut to the they cut to his ship and he's just like in bed already with somebody and and they say uh, you know, what is he doing oh i, I think he's attempting re-entry your prime minister or whatever it is i stopped so, i stopped myself from using the phrase that popped to mind it's like the prime minister <laughs> wants to talk to him they vi they connect via video and and bond is is railing some cast member <laughs> on screen it's like yeah. what the hell is happening here why are we here again so funny so oracle is very confused by what they're doing because he's obviously never seen snogging before so bell goes over and gives lithian a good kiss and um Oricon is like watching them like what are they doing i'm so confused i'm getting these stirring feelings down in my glittery pants <laughs> and i don't know what they are he's just like so kind of boggle-eyed at what bell and lithian are doing who incidentally are now back in their space costumes yes they've got rid of their sh little tiny shreds of cloth and uh 
Yeah, with with the power of a single film edit. Yeah, and Lithian's got these massive shoulder pads, and he's got he's not only got shoulder pads, he's got elbow pads too, which is fun. Oh, it's such oh, a that's great question. Right, yeah, so funny. Anyway, so so now, Rod, can you try and describe for the listener? We are giving away the whole film. There's oh, no my, point okay, yes. Hold off. Can you kind of describe what happens next? Because you might be able to help me understand it as well. Okay. Do you mean? Um, so, so she snogged him, right? And then she's going back to Oraclon to say, "Okay, now I am your slave forever." Well, then, and then somehow or another, Lithian manages to vaporize Oraclon, I, I, right there in front of the kings and everything. Yeah, um, but he seems to do it through Bell kissing Oraclon at just the right moment. I guess it, it, he I, sort of supercharges her, and she <laughs> supercharges. Oh, God. She, there's so many phrases i'm i'm not gonna say oh god and then yeah you're right he's like he just gets turned to a pile of dust yeah and that's it then they kill the guards um yeah lithium like pew pew with his magic ring or whatever it is uh, yeah and and then all the popes are like hooray <laughs> now we can hold mass this sunday after all <laughs> and um but yeah it's like like you said before about Lithians all of a sudden being able to pull out magic powers. With yeah, it's hands. he's just like the he's just like the character in Star Crash. It's like oh what what yeah. well, how do we how do we fix this scene? Oh we'll just have him suddenly be just able have to him do, do some X, magic that know? we haven't we haven't mentioned this before. But yeah, he sort of fires. We get this shot of lightning across to Bell, who then disintegrates Oraclon with her lips. And I'm wondering whether this was Plan Exelon all along. I maybe. we have no way to know adrian i don't know where this came from but it's all it's over too quickly for oraclon i would have liked to have seen him get a bit more of a dignified death well i would have liked to have seen him lead a dance troupe dressed in similar costumes (laughs) but we don't always get what we want adrian no oh dear so it's a bit of an abrupt ending for oraclon to say the least his reign of terror is over because he kissed a woman and she disintegrated him with her lips. Wait, wait, are you saying this is symbolic of the destructive nature of lust? Is this what the yeah. point is? You shouldn't, you know, you need to be careful what you wish for. I don't know. Oh my Lord. Sort of don't seek strange. don't seek this type of power. It will kill you, yeah. it will destroy you. Yes. Yeah. Um so there's a bit of irony as well that he had lightning on his chest and he gets destroyed by some form of lightning something something that's communicated yeah. through lips I, hey but that, if that's if that's where we're going with this sure so um so they freed the popes they're all going to go back <laughs> to their home planets bell says well my our planet is gone oh, i think you're right so yeah maybe it was their planet that was destroyed because i think she says she's got no planet to return to um but her and lithium now that they found the power of love and frolicking in waterfalls they're going to go back to live with the earth people yeah back to back to earth to live even though mortals. they're told very they're told very clearly you will you will no longer be immortal and they're like oh it's fine there are some things that are more important and and just by the way just like to point out that they're wrong there's nothing more important than <laughs> they're wrong <laughs> Yeah, they want to go back to uh, eating some more meat, learning how to bite their food, and uh, 
how to ha yeah to and frolicking in waterfalls hey learn the ways of a of a simple agrarian lifestyle <laughs> simple agrarian lifestyle. <laughs> that's and the, that's basically and that's basically the end i think we there we go we've done it there we i are. have a question for you yes you're claiming that you you this is you claimed this is your new favorite film I, oh, I, I, i'm assuming that in the past week or so you've had a lobotomy how did it go <laughs> i mean, certainly of the so, oh, i just had such a good time watching this <laughs> well now I that i can understand yes i wasn't expecting to because you know starcrest 2 it's going to be terrible um but it just seemed if they weren't intending for it to be funny and i don't think they were it is nevertheless very funny i laughed all the way through yeah and it's and the costumes are just extraordinary the music is just inappropriate to the kind of film they're trying to make it's just full-on 80s disco and the, the decisions that they make are funny and just everything about it just made me laugh and it really made me wish that i could see it in a better quality copy this film should be on severin's list of future projects well i have to say this, the version that i saw on uh on youtube looked much better than i thought it would um mm. and I, I don't know if maybe you you saw a different version it was widescreen. Oh, I don't it looked it looked like vhs the one that i was watching yeah I, I don't know what it sourced from but let's just say that i was surprised by how good it looked and, mm. and i agree with you that i would love to see this come out um and if it's possible to get some interview like I, I think sherry buchanan's still alive i'd love to i'd love to know just what in the world was going on in her life that made this film yeah. something that she chose to do i mean i'm assuming she just needed a paycheck but at the same time this film first of all let me let me praise aka condemn the ludicrous dialogue throughout this movie this is without a doubt uh english as a third language dialogue this is okay yeah. it's got to be spacey but we don't want to use the word space all the time and all of it all of it all of the dialogue is gibberish the only things that aren't gibberish are when they're uh, discussing things that actually have tangible real results like sex that's it yeah. the rest of the dialogue is uh, you could replace it all with babble 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 and yeah. it would make as much sense as the actual finished words being spoken by people it's very very amusing in that respect so credit mm. where credit's due holy crap also the concept of the the post-apocalyptic post earth actually just being uh, a place where people do synchronized dancing and have sex hey i'm on board cool man let's roll with that yeah. why not but, yeah, you're right. Actually, the the version, see, the version that I watched it was one that I found a while ago, uh -huh. which is from a VHS. Now, there's a version of Escape from Galaxy Three that's popped up on YouTube that only appeared there a month ago, and that you're right, that must be the one that you watch. It's got it is better quality. It looks it looked um, really good. I was surprised. It doesn't look too bad. It's uh, better than the one I watched. Oh. Yeah, and it's widescreen as well, mm -hmm. oh, mm -hmm. which means you get to see even more detail on the costume. I was you picking the, out individual bits of glitter from the beard. It was great. The, the, the full width of the kind of flying collar that he's got there. Oh, <laughs> amazing. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll tweet this one out and I'll put it in the show notes as well as the version to watch for now. But um, it would be great to see a real 
restoration of this movie. It's so fun. And it's again, it's weirdly, it's a little bit like the humanoid in that it doesn't seem to know who its audience is because yeah. it could be just a funny film for kids, really. But it's just it, about sex. That's all the movie's then, about. Yeah, but then you've got all the sex and the nudity. But the costumes and the kind of performance style and the jokes are straight out of the kids' film. So it's a weird mix. It's not sexy enough yeah. to be watched by adults and it's too sexy to be watched by kids it's kind of like the humanoid with a bit of an unbalanced tone that doesn't seem to know quite who it's going for yeah um, I, whereas with the humanoid and, and believe me the humanoid is a better film uh by far but all to, to, to fix the humanoid for kids or even for just you know television viewing you just need to like snip that one bit of strange yeah. nudity out of it and you're good yeah. Whereas with this, I mean, you've built the entire film around the concept of learning what sex is. So guess what? Yeah. You know, you've you've pretty much destroyed any any possibility for younger younger film viewers. So mm-hmm. yeah, this is basically escape from uh, no, what's it called? The Blue Lagoon in space. That's what this film is. Oh, oh, that's a good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's actually that seems like a very good one to one comparison. There, you're right. I think yeah. you're right. It's really funny. Well, I'll tell you what, The Humanoid is a better made film, but I had a better time watching this film. Well, I cannot agree, but I respect your ability to enjoy this. <laughs> oh, dear. So there we go. So uh, so of the ten films that we've done, um, oh. what, what are your highs and lows? Oh, well, I mean, as we've discussed as we went along, obviously nothing is going to outdistance this the quality of Planet of the Vampires. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's Mario Bava. It is an acknowledged classic. It is an astonishing film that, you know, influenced, well, an entire subgenre of yeah. uh science fiction horror films it's it's astonishing um so that is the top of the heap wild wild planet is one of my favorite uh you know pulp science fiction movies especially from Mm -hmm. that particular decade so those those are the two that i would hold up as just absolutely wonderful movies just movies well worth seeing different tones different attitudes different different approaches to this kind of material but just uh ones that i would wholeheartedly recommend then there's, uh, believe it or not, uh, there's The Humanoid, I think, which is a movie that I appreciated a lot more returning to it this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's, uh, uh, I would love to see a retrospective, uh, you know, interview or documentary about this film while these people mm-hmm. are still kicking around. Just some information about it and just some perspective yeah. on it because I think that there's more there than you would expect from like a, you know, a 30,000 foot distance from it i think it's it's once you look once you look at it critically it's a better film than you might might think uh oh, of it's, course, it's definitely of all the films we've done i think it's the film that had the biggest budget oh it, it may is. well be that's true it I looks about it, it looks terms. really it looks um you know it's got huge sets and yeah, yeah. the special effects are great yeah the location really loca- location, location shooting and, yeah. yeah yeah it's really good and then, of course, there is uh, the the all time classic mad film Star Crash, which uh, you know we we love for all the reasons that we we mm-hmm. we shouldn't love it. We love it, and uh, mm-hmm. it's 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 a film that I've watched you know more times than I probably should, and I know I will continue to do so. Uh, and then after that, it's just kind of a question of like what you know what is your flavor of pain for the day, and it's uh, you know it's do I want to be bored? Well, then there's a Simon Outer Space. Do I want to uh, to not laugh at laughing things? Then that would be you know 
Operation Luna. Um, mm-hmm. Do I do I want to see something that's supposed to be erotic, but just essentially is uh, you know a sleep aid? Uh, let's let's roll with Beast in Space. We're good. Um, question: Do I want to question why I exist? Let's watch Cosmos War of the Planets and just <laughs> realize that there are probably better things that I could be doing, like removing my own fingernails with uh, with pliers. Mm-hmm. But it's it's been fun to go through these ten, and it is great to to kind of look over them. So that, that mm. you know, there there was something gained from each film. Mm. Yeah, I think it's interesting to do them all sort of back to back and be able to make those direct comparisons and see how the genre rose and then possibly fell <laughs> towards the end. Uh, yeah, it's been really interesting. I mean, I yeah, obviously I would agree. I think with pretty much your summation of all of those films. Although perhaps I did enjoy Operation Luna a little bit more than you did. <laughs> I, I, yeah, uh, well, like the, there are a couple of scenes in it that I thought were funny, yeah. but you know, yeah, but, not enough. Yeah, no. Escape from Galaxy Three, I have genuinely enjoyed. Um, it's a film that people should seek out. Um, but I'm not going to try and pretend it's a good film. But it's a very, <laughs> it's a very entertaining film. So that's it. We are done. Italians in space. Um, next season we'll keep an eye on our social media feeds to find out what we're going to do next because we still haven't 100 percent decided we need to have a conversation about that we might try and fit in a mini season between seasons a couple of films where i'd like to do some where there isn't really 10 uh that mm. we could cover but we might just be able to do two or three before we jump back into a full 10 season run a 10 film run again. okay but those are conversations rod and i can have that you don't all have to listen to but uh anyway but we will be back soon with more films that are not always talked about that often i think that's kind of what we're going to go for um but thank you for sticking with us i hope you've enjoyed this one uh if you want to let us know what you think of escape from galaxy 3 uh you can tweet us on at the wild wild pod or you can email us uh, wild wild podcast at gmail.com rod i want to thank you for sticking with this for 10 well actually there's technically 11 episodes because we did do an introduction one as well oh, yeah. so 11 episodes in uh through some highs and some lows um <laughs> thank you for for all of that and for, you know, you've you've seen way more films than i have so it's been really helpful to for you to put those into context and share your experience with us so thank you very much for all that you have brought to the podcast well i i think this show has been a great idea and i'm glad you i'm glad you uh asked me to do this so uh this is this has been a pleasure believe me thank you thank you everybody for listening we will be back soon with more italian films that you may or may not have heard of who knows we'll see but i can tell you this i bet rod has already seen it whatever we pick Uh, maybe maybe not (laughs) okay bye everybody bye
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.